So we have just come back from our district assembly and uh, not enough time today to be able to share that with you, uh, but it was always a rich time and we're going to invite now any children that want to go down to uh, junior church, if you would like to go. I believe Phyllis, you must be, Phyllis is the one today, yeah, so, yeah. That's great, and even a helper today, that's awesome, and so we're so fortunate to be able to continue to offer that. That's only because of people in our church who continue to be willing to do that ministry, important ministry, uh, of caring for children, and children are, of course, dear to the heart of God. So um, we've just come back, and, and uh, we did have, uh, just as many have been asking, we did have a, a good time off. Uh, our son Stevie was with us for five days, and it was a big step for him, he said, to drive down by himself and drive back home by himself, and now he's got it figured out that he can do that, and he'd like to do it again, so we'll see what happens with that, and so that was enjoyable for us, and then we spent a few days, which was nice after he had left, <laughs> and the busyness of having somebody visiting and cooking and walks and all kinds of stuff we did. It was nice to have those few days and a few projects that needed to get done. So, And then we came back for a day and we were at assembly. So you can imagine it's been a bit of a whirlwind. But in the midst of all that, today is the day that God is worthy of our praise. Amen. And also for us to continue on in our series that we started before uh, I went away. We started that series uh, two Sundays that we had. And so today's Sunday... Uh, Praise God is about passionate worship. And I believe today, as we've been worshiping the Lord, you've been passionate. I've sensed that the Holy Spirit shows up when people are passionate. And I want to say to you, that even before we start, it doesn't matter what you sing. Do you notice that? I mean, it has to be a praise song. But whether we sing a good old hymn of the church or a brand new song, that's not what's important. It's not about style. It is about our hearts. And we bring our hearts before the Lord and we worship Him. That's what we're talking about, passionate worship. And so I want you to realize that, 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 that worship comes in all different forms. And, and, and different languages. And different ways in different parts of the world. If you've had the experience to be able to go on a mission trip, and so good to have Edward back from Haiti. Jeannie, we want to pray for her as she's still there. Uh, worship in Haiti, worship in Cuba, worship in Rwanda is different than the way that we worship here. So it's not about form. It's about our hearts. Worshiping the Lord passionately. One of my fondest memories of worship as I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me of it. It was at a woman's prison in Ontario. Pastor Mike has been uh, experienced in, in teaching and training pastors for ministry and taught a lot of courses and coursework. And God opened up a door when one of our chaplains contacted us and said there were two women in prison who wanted to prepare for ministry. Now, did you hear me? One is a lifer. She will never see the light of day outside of a prison, as far as we knew, unless God worked a miracle. The other was in for 10 years. And God touched them while they were in prison. And while they were in prison, God called them. And so Pastor Mike would go in faithfully and teach those two women in, in prison how to prepare for ministry, as their heart was to minister in the prison. 
But the chaplain had said to us, well, what about your church, the Oakville Church of the Nazarene? Would you like to come and do a service for us? And so after our morning service one time, uh, we went in the afternoon there to lead the service, to lead the group of women in worship. And, and I was amazed as we were in the prison worshiping and leading them. We came out more blessed. That's the thing about ministry when you're working in places like that. Any kind of work that you do, if you're in the middle of what God has called you to, you walk away more blessed than actually blessing others. And, and I saw the most authentic worship I think I've ever seen. There was one woman in particular, I remember sitting there waiting for the service. They were gracious towards me. They welcomed us. They were so thrilled that we were there with them. And this woman came in, and she hopped along on crutches with this cast, and she was struggling. She had never used crutches before, and so the story came out that she had broken her leg that week in prison. And I never seen such care and kindness that I seen by those other women. They made sure they went ahead of her, and one girl gave up her seat, and the other one gave up her seat, and they propped up her leg lovingly, and, and, and they gathered around her, and they prayed for her. This was even before church started. And I remember, they, they were authentic. They began to open up their hearts. Actually, Pastor Mike was called to go in, if I remember, and it was to answer their hard questions. And that was the message, <laughs> as they asked some pretty hard questions. And real questions, authentic. And so I just want to say to you, like it just blew me away to see that passionate worship in these group of women in this prison. I'll never forget that. Where a Christian community meets is not what makes it a church. Rather, what's in the hearts of those who gather. See, what God looks for today is our hearts the passion within us. So as we recap a little bit what we've done, uh, the first week we talked about the introduction, just to remind you, any of those that weren't here, we talked about the reality that for too long in the church we've done this attractional model, and this attractional model is all about, you know, come and see, right? Come and see. And, and so uh, there's a lot of people who are throwing that out and saying, well, we're not going to do that anymore, and that's not what we looked at. The truth is, we need to be a welcoming. We want people to come into the church and to worship with us. We want the prodigals to come home. Welcome home. We, we want to be able to be the best church and give God the best that we can give when we come into this place and we come to worship Him. And so that is attractional. We still invite and will continue to invite people to church. But uh, the church is also not just about attractional, but we're also missional. And so the church is called to go and do. And we talked about that, that, that over the door as you leave the church, it should be that sign. And one day we'll get it there, Marvin. I'll tell you, we will. I've been thinking about it. You are now entering your mission field. That when you come here on a Sunday, the first day of a new week, and you step out through the doors, you are now entering your mission field. That we are missional people. And we talked about the nuns and the duns and the ums. You remember that? And, and nuns is N-O-N-E-S. And we talked about those today. We're living in a day that there are people that have no idea of Christ and no idea of the church. And they're not going to just walk into your door. 
That's why it's important that we're missional, that we go to them. And then there's the duns. And I know, I was that way when I was a young person. I'm done with church, thank you very much. I'm done with the way that people have hurt me and abused me and treated me wrong in church in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of duns. And they're probably because they're so hurt and so broken, they're not going to walk back into a church because you've invited them. And then there's the ums. That's the new group. Christianity Today called them the ums. And the ums are those who love God and, 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 and you know, love the Lord, but they're struggling to come back into a body of faith. And they're looking for a church that is experiencing authentic, real faith. And so just putting a sign up and inviting, or just saying to somebody, won't you come, is probably never going to reach those groups of people. And so for us as a church, we talked about moving forward. We need to be also missional. Yes, attractional. Yes, but also missional. As we go out to reach these individuals for Christ. And then we spoke the first week of these, of these practices of fruitful congregations. This is something that has happened in every part of the world. This has happened through every time uh, of history. These are the practices of fruitful congregations. And I believe this is important for us to look at as we start a new church year. And we looked at radical hospitality. Not the hospitality you see out in the world. Not Martha Stewart entertainment and putting on the perfect home and the perfect table. Remember, we said it's about building relationships and conversations. And one of the things I loved about in Switzerland, they'd invite you over for coffee. They'd make a good cup of coffee. They would whip up a big bowl of whipped cream to put in that coffee. And they would put a chocolate bar on the table. That was Swiss entertainment. And it was the best. Because we had such great fellowship when we would gather together in Switzerland. And so we realize this, this hospitality is, biblical hospitality is the lover of the stranger. Because we were estranged, and God welcomed us. Amen. And so now we, who are welcomed and part of God's family, we say to everybody, welcome home. Mm -hmm. Welcome home. We say to people, you know, you're welcome here. I might not even know you yet, but I want to get to know you. Because you've got a story, and you've got something you can give to me in my life, and I can help hopefully make your life better and richer as we fellowship together. So that's a background. Now today, we're looking at passionate worship. Now a lot of people would say, and I remember our children when they were teenagers, and especially our boys, why do we have to go to church? Right? Why well, worship? There are those that you work with will say, what do you do on Sundays? Why would you waste your time on a Sunday going to church? Why do we worship? And sometimes some of us even in the church have done it all our lives because that's what you do. That's what I was taught. But we don't always understand why we worship. What's the benefits of worship? And so what is worship? Worship are those times that we gather deliberately to encounter God in Christ Jesus. Whether we gather in a chapel or gather in a living room, worship provides a time and a place to think less about our personal needs and agendas and to think more about God. I love what this says. What is worship? There are many false ideas about worship. 
Some people think that the worship is an opportunity to express one's emotions. Now, God has made our emotions and uses our emotions, but some people think that the Spirit was in a service more because I was more emotional, and they missed the point of what true worship is. Others believe that it is an opportunity for one to be uncontrollably spontaneous. There are churches out there today that do not believe it's worship because I have notes. Or there's worship because we have structure in the service. They believe that you just let the Holy Spirit move in the middle of a service because it's got to be all spontaneous. I'll tell you that I've been in some of those services and I would not like to be in them again. Holy Spirit moving, yes. But not this idea. Our God is a God not of chaos. He works in order. And so a lot of time and thought is put into our services every week. A lot of prayer is put into it. And when we say, oh, wasn't that wonderful? God showed up on Sunday. Well, that doesn't just happen because we don't give God our best. It's because we work towards excellence to give God the best that we can give Him. <clears throat> so I like this. This to me is, if there's anything you take from this today, the word worship is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word Worth-ship. Say that to one another. Worth-ship. Which means to declare the worth of God. And so when we gather together for worship, wherever it might be, we are coming in to give him the glory to his name. We are coming together to worship him. I think that, for me, was one of the best definitions about worship. Worth-ship. And so, you know, there's a lot of conversation. Is it corporate worship versus personal worship? There are those today, and a lot of it has to do with our personality types. There are those today who love corporate worship, who are here pretty well every Sunday. I just love being around people. Now, if you're a type A personality, that's probably you. You do really well. You, can, you, you just feel like the roof is going to come off when you're gathering and worshiping with other people. And, and, you know, the problem with that, though, is often those types of personalities are really good at worshiping on Sunday, but not so good at worshiping privately Monday to Saturday. And, and you have to learn to do the Christian disciplines and habits that help you to worship privately and not just corporately. And then there's a whole movement out there today that says to me, well, pastor, I don't want organized religion. I don't need to come to church. Do you know, pastor, every day I have my time of worship with the Lord. I, I read my word and, and I pray to him. And Jesus and I are just fine. Thank you very much. And they don't want anything to do with corporate worship. And, and, and unfortunately, what a lie of the enemy. I pray it, and some of the ones that join me on Saturday nights know I pray it almost every week when we pray it, that Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church, and the bride is getting herself ready for that great wedding feast of the bridegroom and the bride, the wedding feast of the Lamb. You are a part, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are a part of the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And the enemy is trying to keep you away from worshiping and gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ because he knows that's where there is power. When you gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ. So you probably already figured out that I'm trying to say to you today that worship is both corporate and worship 
is both personal. See, worship changes us. It changes our minds, our intellects. We've often said that God doesn't want you to leave your brain at the door. God wants to engage your mind. He's giving you a mind that you can use your mind for him and his glory. He wants to change your heart. He, he wants to be intimate with you in those dark, deep, deep uh, recesses of your heart and life and past. Uh, I know one of the things when I had a message many years ago, intimacy, into me see, Lord. God wants to change and transform us. And it's all done through passionate worship. And so I want to encourage us today that worship, many times once you say worship, people think Sunday morning songs. That's what they think. That's what it is. And we're talking about Sunday morning songs. And I say worship. That is not where we are going today. Worship is so much more than that. It is a part of our personal lives and it is part of our corporate lives. We need both to have a healthy relationship with God. We need to have both. Private worship. Little things for the love of God. Doing them for the love of God. See, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not just something you do on Sunday mornings. Worship is 24-7. It is part of a lifestyle. It becomes a habit. It is habitual where we do those things in our lives that just bring life into my day, life into my problems, life into my struggles. That I carry Christ with me. I am the aroma of Christ wherever I go. I am his ambassador. That is that daily living out my faith with Christ. My daily giving him the worship. And so this is integral to us. We can't just talk about worship on Sundays if we're not practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence had a wonderful book called the Practicing the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was a... Uh, who likes washing dishes? No one. Well, God called him to wash dishes. He was in a French, French monastery... He was in a French monastery, and his job assigned to him for 40 years was to wash the dishes. Now, you'd say, kill me now. <laughs> I would. Best invention ever done was a dishwasher, in my opinion. And so here he is washing dishes day in and day out. But it was in that menial task that Brother Lawrence began to write this strong spiritual insight that he began to believe that even while I'm washing dishes, I can practice the presence of God. Do you know that was life-changing for me as a stay-at-home mom when I first got saved? Because that turned everything around for me. Whatever I was doing, laundry, rule. Uh, washing dishes, <laughs> all of those things, that it turned it around for me because even the most menial tasks that I don't like doing, I can practice the presence of God right there. And Brother Lawrence began to teach on this and live this out. And even today, people are talking about practicing the presence. He says, at heart, it means discerning and developing habits for discerning an awareness of God's presence. See, that's our choice. But you know, it's biblical. It's all through the Bible, and I'm not going to read all these passages for you. And actually, on the back table there, uh, I have left some handouts. If you want to take these home, 
and you want to read these scriptures. Maybe it's something you want to do over the next couple weeks, and it will help you on your daily journey in practicing the presence of God. But God has told us to abide, to love God and neighbor, to set your mind on the things of God, to walk by and keep in step with the Spirit, to set your heart on the things of God, to rejoice always and pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, run with endurance and perseverance. Do you know they gave us all a award at assembly, the Perseverance Award, the churches that were there, and they wanted to say thank you for persevering. Submit yourselves to God. Offer yourselves up to God. Press on. Dwell on. Remember God's faithfulness and provision. Those are all things that we do in our everyday lives that God challenges in his word that we're to have this intimate, ongoing life and passionate relationship with Jesus every day. And I know there's days we forget. There are days we mess up. There are days that we don't, you know, even Pastor Mike and I have been using that Lectio 365. That was a gift that God gave us in COVID. We've shared that with you. Daily, we pray together and use that devotion. And then there's sometimes we go, oops, we didn't do it today. And we lay in bed and we listen to that morning's study because we forgot. And tomorrow is a new day and we get up and we do it again. That's the key of practicing the presence of God. It's not about perfection. It's about offering ourselves to the Lord and bringing our worship to Him. And so God knows that sometimes we're weak, sometimes we're forgetful. Some of us are more forgetful than others. But it is bringing that before the Lord and our desire is to practice this presence of God 24-7, seven days a week. And uh, one of the interesting things that I have thought about in this, when I thought about this, is, you know, Jesus said that I am the vine and you are the branches, right? And that's what this is. It, it's that branch staying connected to Christ the vine. Getting that sustenance, getting that life that I need. We know that it is then that we what? Bear fruit. And our desire is to bear much fruit. And so my desire for you as a pastor is that you would live a life that bears fruit and not just some fruit. I want to bear much fruit for God and his kingdom. And so we see that we're doing these little things for the love of God. Practicing the presence of God day in, day out. And then we come to what we call corporate worship. And it's all done for the glory of God. And I love what Rick Warren said here. We are created for community fashioned for fellowship, and formed for a family, and none of us can fulfill God's purposes on by ourselves. None of us. We need each other. Say to the person around you, we need each other. We need each other. Oh, that's really enthusiastic. I think you can say it again. We need each other. We need each other. Do you know that? We need each other. You need me, hallelujah, but I need you. See, worship forms us into this bride, this family, this community of God, and it begins to shape our souls, and it corrects our attitudes sometimes that are not Christ-like. And it binds people to God, and it binds people to neighbor. Our private worship connects us to God, but now our corporate worship connects us to each other. Do you notice that that is the cross? I've said that a lot of this is, is in this cruciform life that we are to live. That we're to be connected to God, 
but we're also to be connected with each other. And so we see that one of the most detailed uh, pictures of that was in the early church. You know, uh, they say that that passage in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, it is one of the places where we study what did the early church do in worship? What was the essentials to worship? And in that passage, we're told that the early Christians gave themselves over to scripture and prayer and hymns and spiritual songs and spiritual gifts and teaching and edification and encouraging one another. And so I would say to you today, if it was so important to Jesus and it was so important to the early church, is it not now important to us to gather together, to study his word together, to encourage one another, to pray for each other? The early Christians met in their homes. When was the last time you opened up your home to other believers to pray or other believers to study God's word? They met in the synagogue, as they were early Jews, right? So they still met in the synagogue. We know that Paul, the first place that Paul ministered was when he went to the synagogue in the towns. He would go to the synagogue first before he went out into the streets. And we know they also, for many years, until the temple was destroyed, they would go in and worship at the temple and pray at the temple like they had always done. We know that Peter was on his way to the temple when he's met that man and that man was healed. When the man asked for alms and Peter says, well, I don't have any money, but what I have I give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. He was on his way to the temple. And so worship, corporate worship, is not just in here. Corporate worship can be wherever we meet in the name of Jesus. It can be in beautiful sanctuaries, but it can also be in backyard patios and public parks and, praise God, even at the bakery. <laughs> Hospital chapels and in some parts of the world, they meet under a tree, under an open sky. And so our passage today is saying that worship is where we live this verse out. Worship is where we practice this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Some of your heart? Some of your time? No. All of your heart. All of your soul. All of your strength. And all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. I like what somebody said. Worship bends our hearts towards God and it stretches our hands out towards others. See, Don Whitney said that there are blessings and people are missing out on blessings when they don't come together for corporate worship. And he said these are those graces and blessings that's so important and integral. He says there's an awakening. Now what does he mean by that? He says every week our, our spirits become deadened by the troubles and the difficulties we face in life. And, and sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? And, and, and all the struggles. And it's in those moments of corporate worship that we are awakened again to the truth of God. And we're encouraged and we're filled with hope. He says it's the place where we are assured of our faith together. I know there's been some times, <clears throat> even as a pastor, you can get so discouraged. And then all of a sudden you get together with fellow pastors or you get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're encouraged again. You're assured of your faith. And you're assured when you look at the promises of God. He, he talked about the advancement. Now, we often think the advancement of kingdom, but he says it is when we come together that we're all growing and maturing in our faith and becoming more and more like Jesus. 
Now, here's an important point. I thought this was interesting. Accepting another's leading. Now, see, when I do my private devotions, I decide when I want to do it. I decide what I want to read. If I'm listening to a song, I decide which song I'm going to put on the radio. And, and, and I'm in control. But when we come to corporate worship, it's about submissiveness. It's about humility. It's about somebody else leading me now into the presence of God. And so there's this mutual submissiveness when we come into corporate worship. And then he says, there is nothing like worshiping together in person with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I believe it gives us a little taste of glory, what it's going to be like. Every Sunday that we come, or every Wednesday night, or every time that we meet together in flesh. All this online stuff is wonderful, and it's got an important place. But there's nothing like worshiping together. And the joy, then, is multiplied when that happens. And so Christian worship, my friends, is for the love of God. That's why we come. It's about His worth-ship. It's about me coming to give Him the worth that He needs. And so I've said to you at this moment, what can you do for the love of God? That's your act of worship. What is it that you can do for the love of God? Being present is one thing that you're doing. But I have at that back table right there, because there was a while back the stewards were talking to me about some of this. And we were saying about the needs of the church and what we can be doing. And, and uh, of course, you know, if, if somebody wants to sing a special, we are saying amen to that. Let us know. But there's a place on that back table there where I put down, you know, maybe maybe for the love of God, you would say, Pastor, count me in to be part of a worship team. Maybe for the love of God, you would say, well, God has given me musical talent, and I don't really exercise it, Pastor, but I'm willing to begin to use my musical talent for God. One of our greatest stories is Corinne at the back. And Corinne was one that said, I don't know what I'm doing. I struggle with piano. But, Pastor, if you could use me, here I am. And by faith on Sundays, she started to get up with the piano, and she took the songs home, and she practiced them, and did her best, and God has blessed her and used her for her faithfulness. That's true of every musician in our church that plays for us. Everyone who is given their musical gifts. But I use you, uh, Corinne, as an example. You don't have to be perfect, and you don't have to have it all together to say, you know, Pastor, I have some musical talent, and I'm willing to use it for the glory of God. Some of us, it's best if we don't. <laughs> Just a side joke. I have bought a, what kind of drum is that? It's the ones that you use in Newfie worship. I forget. <laughs> And it's still oh, sitting. Celtic, Celtic drum. I got a Celtic drum that was given to me. I wanted it for Christmas. I got the DVD. I've never picked it up. So there you go. <laughs> Reader of scriptures. We look for people to read every week. You know how hard it is for us to remember that and say to somebody and call somebody and all, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that pastor. And just before you get to a service on Sunday, we'd love to know who would like to read scripture on Sunday. Who would like to help in the technical booth at the back? Uh, we'd love to train and get people training on that, if that's what you feel. Uh, Paula and the others have been saying, we, we want to get people involved in the greeting and the ushering ministry of our church. The one thing I want to commend, anyone that's been involved with the greeting and ushering through COVID, would you stand? I want, I want you to stand in this moment. Not everybody's here, 
Stand. We want to honor you today and bless you. Bless you guys. Let me see you. That they have stepped up during COVID and have kept us safe and directed us and guided. And one of our desires has been, we said, well, our ushering ministry has just been heightened. We don't want that to change now. And so they're looking for people that say, you know, Pastor, that's part of my, I'd like to be a part of that. Then there is prayer team. And that's not like a tag on and saying, oh, I can't do anything else, Pastor, so all I can do is pray. I'll tell you one thing. You know the difference in a service when people have prayed for that service. There's just little birds singing, so don't worry about it. So, so when we pray for a service, when people say to me, Pastor, I'm going to pray for every service in the church, that is an integral ministry that's going to change the direction of this congregation. I believe that. The, the other thing that I noticed well, years ago, there was somebody, a church that used to do this. There were four people, and their ministry, now hear this, this is how unique this is. Their ministry, they felt called by God to do it. Their ministry was the four of them would come in and they would sit at the four corners of the sanctuary and they would pray during the service. And they would especially pray when it was time for a response to God's word. What an integral, important ministry. To have someone come in on Saturday and say, you know what, Pastor, I prayed all through the church today. I, I, I can't come Saturday nights to prayer meeting. I, I can't come early on Sundays. But at 2 o'clock on Saturdays, I can come. We can give you a key. And there's a group of people that pray through this church. And so I just want to say to you, there's lots of ways that God can do this. What he's looking for, though, is your availability. So what is it when our corporate worship are you willing to do for the glory of God? So why are we talking about passionate well, we've all been around worship that isn't passionate. It's not about perfection. It's not about whether you hit the right notes. But we've been around places where people are going through the motions and just doing it to do it, and I can't wait to get out of here and go home, and I've done my religious duty. Is that what Jesus died for? Is that why the Holy Spirit came? Oh, I don't think so. I believe the Holy Spirit was poured out that we can have passionate worship. And not just passionate on Sundays, but passionate every day of the week, even when we're out walking. Even when we're having our private time with the Lord. We can be passionate about the things of God. Struggling? Yes. Having heartache? Yes. But we can still be passionate about God's things. Personal worship and corporate worship are two wings on which Christians soar to the presence of God. I love that statement. And so fruitful, faithful communities practice passionate worship in their daily lives and when we come together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. That's our scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. How many here have sung the song, Heart of Worship? Quite a few of us, I believe. We've sang it here in the church. You probably don't realize it. It's been a while. Matt Redman, I got to go to some of the Worship Together conferences in Ontario. I would go with my worship leader, uh, Laura. And, and Laura and I got such a deep, deep friendship. Uh, Laura was the person who would sit and stand in the back. And, and, and no one really noticed Laura. 
And we had a pastor who was leading the worship, and he left. And we had no one to lead our worship. And uh, Laura, we went to a board retreat on a Friday night and, and over to the uh, Saturday day. And I remember uh, we were concerned as a church, God, what are we going to do? We don't have a worship leader. And Laura all of a sudden stepped up and said, you know, Pastor, I think God is calling me. She was a board member. She's saying in the background, but I believe God is calling me to lead our church in worship. And we were just amazed. We said, thank you, Lord. And so Laura knelt on the ground, and we all gathered around Laura as a board, and we set her part to be the worship leader of our church. Do you know the 14 years I was there, Laura led worship 14 years faithfully. Every Sunday, unless she was out sick or on vacation, she led worship. And I was just amazed at this woman as God began to show her giftings and her love for God in worship. And so Laura and I would go off together to these conferences. We'd have a, make a little retreat, and, and we would go into these worship conferences in Toronto. I wish they would do them again right across Canada. And, and that was our time together. And that's where we got to hear Matt Redman and, and uh, Tim Hughes and uh, Hillsongs United. You got to sit with them and learn about what it was like to write a worship song. It was just an amazing event. And I still remember this story about how this song came to be. It was from Soul Survivor Church in Watford. And the pastor, Paul um, Balavot, is it Palavachi? Mike Polavaki. Mike Polavaki was there, and, uh, and he had Matt Redman at the front, and he was sharing his heart, and he said, you know, our church was the happening church in Watford. People traveled from all around to come to Watford. It was all young people in Watford. And then when you saw that beginning video, it was like that. It looked exciting. It looked wonderful. But Mike picked up that these young people were caught up in the hype and not caught up about Jesus. And so this pastor, Mike, did a very brave thing. He got up in front of the church and he said, Okay, for the next six months, no music, no instruments, no praise and worship. We're going to come and sit in the church and we're just going to worship. And so people came and they brought a word and they brought a testimony and they sang a cappella, some choruses, and they did that for six months to understand what is truly worship is about. It's not about hype. It's not about, you know, all the stuff that goes on. And we have to be very careful about that as Christians because we know a lot of these worship concerts, they're amazing, but you have to go with the attitude that you're not there for entertainment, but you're there to worship God. And so to get the people back to, and these young people, this young church, to worship, they had nothing for six months. In that time, Matt Redman was worshiping the Lord in his private devotions. And that's where this song was birthed. And when he shared it with Pastor Mike Palavaki, he said, well, that's the perfect song for us as a church. And so unplugged with just this guitar, the first song that that church heard was, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And so today I think it's going to be so important for us that I don't know where you are in your journey with Jesus. And I don't know where you are in your journey with worship. But I know God wants you to be passionate about him. Because he's passionate about you. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. He's passionate about you. And you can be passionate about him. And you can come and give him the worth shift in your daily life. 
And you'll find at the back, there's just those couple pages there. If you want to pick one up about devotions, there's on the other side of that, I've put about the model of temple worship for corporate if you're interested. You can pick that up. But the most important thing you can do is give God your worth, his worship as you bring it to him. Would you stand with me and let's pray. And we're going to sing this song as our way of closing out this Sunday. Father, we, you know us. Yes, and we can't hide anything from you. You know where we're at right now. You know how we come in to worship. You know what 